0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in? Him? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Pressure. Pass is picked off. And who is it? Big BJ Raji for the touchdown.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Packs, which she said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And it is the Packers bye week. It feels like we've waited about two whole seasons for this to finally be here. But week 13, the Packers are on their much needed bye to rest and recover and get healthy for the final five regular season games of the season. Uh, Perry, any thoughts just on the bye week in general? I mean, I know you and I kind of talked a little bit about how we're going to watch football anyway, but it is it is a little bit upsetting when you don't get Packers football on Sundays or Thursdays or Mondays to look forward to. I'm just glad that the team has time to rest up. Um,
0: I think it was A.J. Dillon or somebody pointed out that Packers have already had like what amounts to a full college season of football, which is just really hard on the body. So, um I think making it to a late bye week can either like make or break a team. And the fact that the Packers are nine and three, and now are going to get rest that like, likely all the teams with early buys really are feeling a need right now, especially with extra game. I think it it actually is going to end up working to their advantage. So yeah, just we'll watch red zone on Sunday and not have anxiety for three hours. (laughs) And then um, we'll get to enjoy a Packers bears game.
1: Yeah, it is kind of cruel that we went from a bye week to Sunday night football. So you really have to wait even longer all through another <laughs> slate of Sunday football games. But it is, I mean, it is true about the week 13 bye, where I remember a couple of years ago the Packers had a week four bye, and that just felt so early, especially if you didn't play, if you were one of the vets that didn't really play in the preseason, you're already pretty rested going through yeah. three games. Um, so you're absolutely right that this is a really nice kind of midway point where you're hoping to have your five regular season games, potentially a bye then, again, to rest up. But if not, you've got three playoff games and you're hoping for the Super Bowl. So the bulk of the season, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, is already behind them at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So today, because obviously we're on the bye, why don't we go through and talk about players on both sides of the ball? We can even include special teams. I'm sure that might come up organically um, that have either surprised us in a good way or a bad way going into this season, um, or what we've seen through through 12 weeks, whether that's surprised us in their productivity or the role they're playing on the team, um, anything. Who who surprised you this year?
0: I mean, are we doing obvious ones? Because I think there's a couple of obvious ones, right? Like some of the free agents that Brian Gutekunst brought in, you know, nobody expects – you know, when you hear – heard about, like, the Devondre Campbell signing in June, I'm not sitting on my couch thinking – Oh yeah, that's going to be a major (laughs) break. Actually, I, I, I do recall that people were joking around on Twitter saying things like, oh yeah, that's going to fix the defense. And oh yeah, another like middle of the road inside linebacker, just like Christian Kirksey, you know, or, or one of those kinds of signings. And it actually like completely backfired on those jokes. I mean, like, it's more like a jokes on you. He actually has made a huge difference. Um, I don't, everyone's kind of like stepped up in their own unique ways. And I feel like the players Mm -hmm. that you expected to make a jump did like a Rashawn Gary. um, I think I'm a little bit surprised actually at how impactful Randall Cobb has been in the offense. I think like theoretically, you know, you think if only the Packers had kept him a year longer, like he's the exact type of player that Matt LaFleur could really use in this offense. But at the same time, he spent about three years away from Green Bay, and you just don't know what kind of player he was going to be walking into this team. It was a nice story, but at the end of the day, he's been pretty hurt when on the Cowboys and his year in the Texans. So I definitely was like, this isn't going to be great if Cobb's not the same Cobb as he was, but he really is. And you saw it perfectly with the Rams game. just He can really still be a number two with Devontae, and he um, – Still's got the juice and that connection with Rodgers that, you know, that um, unprecedented connection, special connection with, with Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I think it took Matt LaFleur a couple of weeks in the offense in general to get into a rhythm and try to figure out Randall Cobb's role, but you're starting to really, really see it take shape, especially like on third down. Um, and you can use him in a couple of LaFleur's like fun trick plays. So, Um, I think I'm just more surprised at how much he's been used in like the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, I think kind of the initial expectation going into the signing was that he would be maybe like wide receiver four on the depth chart. It was like, okay, well, there's still Al Lazard, there's still MVS, and then Randall Cobb can just kind of like hang out and fight for reps with Amari Rogers. And he's really kind of become that security blanket for Rogers especially like you said on third downs and you know, he's come up in really big moments. Like when Devonte Adams was hurt, Randall Cobb is the guy he's had some games where he has just been the guy. And I think going into the playoffs, you need a guy like that. Jacob Westendorf brought this up on Packaday and it's a really good point. It's not to say that, you know, Randall Cobb would have like changed the trajectory of any of the last couple um, NFC championship games, but you kind of wonder if there'll be like a different attitude with Rogers if he knows he has Devontae and he has like a Randall Cobb on the field in some of those key moments. And that's not to say he doesn't trust MVS or Alan Lazard, but the relationship that he has with Randall Cobb is just so special that I feel like there's added security going into maybe some of those big moments.
0: Yeah, And I don't think Randall Cobb's necessarily someone that I'm going to like fight to keep in the off season. Um, I just think that he's been a really nice complement to this offense that they haven't really had. They haven't had a true slot guy. They just have the Packers have a bunch of like big bodied possession receivers like Alan Lazard. Um, they have their deep threat and MVS, but they don't have the Cobb. And I know that's what everyone hopes Amari Rogers becomes, but Cobb was already established in that role. So I think he's just kind of stepped in really seamlessly and yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, when when we don't have Devonta Adams in the game, you, you kind of know that at least there's another security blanket out there for
1: Rodgers. Yeah, and it's really interesting, too, especially kind of knowing what's been going on, um, or I guess not knowing what's been going on with Alan Lazard this season. And, you know, it just seems like something's been kind of off, whether it's injuries or, you know, kind of battling through things. But, you know, if, you're, if your role is to be a possession receiver and you're not catching the ball very effectively yeah. and fluidly, you know, it, it's kind of complicating the offense so we talked about this a little bit on the the twitch recap earlier in the week but i wouldn't be surprised if eq gets a couple more looks kind of going into the last couple of the games last couple games of the season and i think you know we talked about this a little bit already but the addition of mvs back into the lineup i don't know if it's necessarily a coincidence that the packers are now putting up 30 plus points in two consecutive weeks when maybe there isn't as much cover too for Devonte adams to fight when you've got the deep threat that is mvs constantly spot on spot on mm-hmm. Um, okay. So who's your surprise? I don't know if it's a surprise, um, maybe just about the number of carries and the role he's having in the offense. But I think AJ Dillon is a big one. You know, I don't know what any of us really expected, um, going into the season. If we thought he'd be like Jamal Williams, where he'd kind of be more in pass pro and he'd be like your third down bruising back where if you need a yard, you give the ball to AJ Dillon. But he is like a really interesting piece in the Matt LaFleur offense. We've seen him do so many things. I know, you know, there was all the the talk about his hands and what he'd look like in the receiving game, but he's becoming kind of a do-it-all back, which when you already have Aaron Jones, who is a do-it-all back and can do everything, we obviously on the Packs, What She Said podcast stand the pony package. But when you have two running backs that are threats in the receiving and running game, it's huge. So I think to me, kind of the productivity that AJ Dillon brings to the offense and the way that he's able to carry the load, even when we were without Aaron Jones, I think is huge. I completely agree. It's The Packers have, we
0: we kind of went into the season like, okay, this is going to be a really fun one-two punch, but it's almost like a one-one punch. Like yeah. The Packers kind of have two starting running backs, and the Matt LaFleur offense has really been predicated on this like, rotation in the backfield. I think it's obviously been apparent that is super redundant of me to say (laughs) it's been apparent that Aaron Jones has been number one and it's never been that much of a question and you never like want to see anybody go out with any kind of injury but it is I think it says a lot when Aaron Jones misses a week or two it's not serious and the running back room nobody's worried about the running back role you know that AJ Dillon is going to slip in there and while he is a very different back than Aaron Jones he still does all three things that the that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and the offense need their running backs to do and obviously run the ball, catch passes and be, you know, solid and pass pro.
1: Yeah. And Matt LaFleur said to post game that he really calls them one A and one B, which is exactly what you said. It's like one and one, it's not kind of a one, two punch. Um, and I thought it was interesting to post game. I was glad he said it, you know, because they asked AJ Dillon, like, you know, maybe you didn't have the most productive game on the ground against the Rams. Like what goes into that? And he was it was great he was like stats don't always tell the story at the end of the game like just because we put up 60-ish yards on the ground doesn't mean that we weren't constantly converting on second and short third and short keeping the chains moving they burned so much of the clock in that last um, couple drives on offense that I think that especially you know we're talking about the frozen tundra with three out of your five games at home you're hoping to obviously host a couple playoff games that kind of wear and tear with AJ Dillon going into kind of the the later stretch of the season is going to be really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it is. It feels like he's made for this time of year. Um, and I think also having the, both of them keep, they keep each other healthy by splitting mm-hmm. carries. Um, and as someone who owns both on my various fantasy teams, splitting the carries does not mean <laughs> they're, they're scoring less points either. Like they're both putting up number one back numbers. Um, so Yeah, I think that the rotation um, is going to be really interesting and important going down the stretch of the season to have both of them. Santa baby, it's holiday season. And you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer? Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer competition. Manscaped, thank you for giving me an excuse to get all the gifts he's been needing year-round. They've changed more than 4 million men worldwide for the better. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code PWSS20.
1: Ho, 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 fellas. Naughty or nice, tis the season to perform. Ladies, you know what I mean. Manscaped's best selling product is the Perfect Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their lawnmower body trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for his balls, back, chest, the list goes on, and the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. Let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, to keep him smelling nice down there. You're getting yourself a deal with the Performance Package. Order now to receive their two free gifts the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag ladies this is the perfect gift for you and your man and trust me he will thank you now these are our picks from manscaped's surefire winds stocking stuffers the manscaped two-in-one shampoo and conditioner just launched it's about time he stopped stealing yours two the manscaped cologne infused body wash ladies you may want to borrow this one too three shears 2.0 luxury four-piece nail kit four manscaped signature cologne sexy yet delightful These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free, so you know his cojones are in good hands. Make sure you hurry to their site to ensure these wild gifts show up before the holiday season. And while you're at it, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code PWSS20. Whether this is for your partner, dad, brother, friend, or for yourself, get yourself or them something they'll actually use and it's almost sure to get a laugh. Get
0: 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code PWSS20. Cheers to rocking the best gifts of all this season. A gift for him, but really a gift for you. XOXO Manscaped.
1: I agree. Before we flip to the defensive side of the ball, I do want to ask you about your thoughts on the offensive line. And if you have any long-term concerns, um, you know, kind of with that unit without Elton Jenkins, what you think it'll look like if David Bakhtiari comes back at left tackle or, you know, if, I guess this is it, right? They're not going to sign anybody. So Adam Senevich has the guys in his room and that's about it. So do you have a confidence level of the offensive line kind of long-term after what they were able to do against the Rams? Honestly, If I was concerned, it's hard for me to
0: be after watching the way they've played all season. You know, like when Aaron Rodgers is kept upright throughout an entire Rams game against, like, one of the best, if not the best defensive fronts in the league. And he has, like, a third string left tackle and a rookie and a backup center out there. Like, I I don't... I don't know if I can be worried about that line because, sure, you're going to get David Bakhtiari back. It's obviously going to be better. Um, but I think it stays the same, right? I think it's it's Bach, John Runyan, Lucas Patrick, Royce Newman, Billy Turner for the foreseeable future. Unless, of course, Josh Myers comes back and he'll take over that center spot. Um, but like, like I said, it's, it's hard to not feel confident in a line that, regardless of shifting around, has performed up to par.
1: Yeah. And I think Matt LaFleur is, you know, doing what we've all clamored for him to do. And he's putting the offense in the position to be successful, where if you know that the offensive line isn't maybe as strong as it could be, you're leaning on the quick passing game and Aaron's getting the ball out of his hands quickly and he's not scrambling as much. And I think all of those little things go kind of a long way in helping out when the offensive line maybe isn't at full strength or what you would like it to be um, going into this stretch. So Flipping it then to the defensive side of the ball, who would be a player, maybe not naming Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell, unless you want to talk about them, <laughs> that have been um, either a good standout or a bad standout?
0: I think everybody on this defense deserved to be talked about, to be quite honest with you. I mean, just the way that this defense has played uh, against all odds everybody has stepped up. Um, I think you can make a case for like a Dean Lowry, right. Who's had his best season of his career and everyone had a lot to say about the contract that they gave him, but he's been unbelievably solid or even like a TJ Slayton who with increased snaps as a rookie is proving to be like a really nice tandem next to Kenny Clark. Um, I do think that like the shining star for me is Eric Stokes. Um, just because of like expectation level and value in draft status combined, it's, it's impossible to be unhappy with the way that he's played the season. I mean, he was supposed to be CB two ends up being CB one is rookie year um, and has, you know, the most incompletions caused as a primary defender. He's at number four, he's top five in past breakups on the season. He had like, when Matt Stafford was targeting him against the Rams, he his quarterback rating was like a 42, right? Like you just can't ask for more. And I know that the um, ball placement in the air and and maybe a couple picks are still a little bit far off. But for a first-round pick in a position that usually needs a decent amount of time to get settled into the NFL, I mean, he's just seamlessly transitioned to, to the... NFL level game from college and it's I think it's it's underrated least I mean really saved the Packers this season because if he wasn't playing well and was getting picked on there's not much that even you know Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage could do to save him right like it's the coverage that the Packers secondary has been able to have without Jair Alexander is way more and way better than I would have ever expected if you had told me before the season they'd lose Jair for basically the whole year
1: yeah and I mean I think you know we talked about this after he was selected that you know you look at players like Jeff Akuda, third overall like there are growing pains in the NFL and yes of course we've seen some from Eric Stokes but they've been few and far between and like you said he's he's trotting out onto the field every week as CB1 which you know was not the expectation we were talking about before the season started, like when would he usurp Kevin King for one of those boundary spots? And, you know, he's putting the Packers, it's a good problem for them to have at this point where when you have a healthy Kevin King and we're hoping that Jair comes back and you've got the contributions of Rasul Douglas that have just been exceptional. So you're getting to a point where you have too many cooks and you're trying to figure out now how to, utilize them, whether it's in nickel or different sub packages uh, to get your best players on the field. Because, you know, at this point, I think it'd be hard to take Eric Stokes off the field or Rasul Douglas. But of course, you want Jair out there regardless.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I, I think something that keeps coming to mind for me is the first press conference that Kevin King had when he came in this season and he talked about wanting to support Stokes and he he said, and I, this is probably not the exact quote, but you know, if he ends up outplaying me, then they made a good draft pick. And I think that's like the perfect way to describe the situation: is Eric Stokes is just simply outplaying their original cornerback too, and he's gonna he's proven that he deserves to be out there and keep that job even when Jair does come back. Um, and yeah, of course, it's a great problem to have. You you think about cornerbacks as this like very highly regarded hot commodity that other teams pay millions to acquire when they lose one guy and the Packers have an abundance to the point where we're talking about what the cornerback rotation could look like when Jair comes back. It's just,
1: it cannot be overstated how rare and lucky that is. Yeah. Somebody else I want to talk about is somebody that we really kind of raved about before the season started that somebody that we thought would have a really big role on defense. And I don't know if your eyes are telling you the same thing, but I genuinely feel like Adrian Amos is having his best, best season. Yes. Like the other player I
0: was going to talk about, except so, that I'm not surprised. Like if we're ta- going in the category of surprising, I'm not, because we've yeah. known that this is the player that he is, but I do think you're right that the league is starting to see like, this is one of the best safeties.
1: And just the way that he's being used in the Joe Barry defense, you know, playing closer to the box. I think he's second on the team in tackles behind only Campbell, which is something we expected again, seeing more of him in the box and kind of Henry black out as the second um, deep safety. But Yeah. And it's it's like you said, that was a really good way to put it. It's not a surprise because we saw this coming in Joe Barry's scheme, but he has just played incredibly this season.
0: I listened to Mina Kimes' show this morning, friend of the show Mina (laughs) Kimes, and she and her guest were talking about how what Joe Barry has done with Savage and Amos has been unbelievable and that it's... Besides the Bills' safeties, which I agree, they're probably the best duo in the league. And it's because of the way that Joe Barry has been able to move them around and utilize their skills.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think, you know, you had a good point when you said let's talk about the the defense as a whole. Because I don't think going into the season, you know, we were like, yeah, the defense can be good. At what point do they have to be better than the Mike Petton defense for us to be like, yeah, it's a pretty good defense. but still fifth in the NFL in points against. They're allowing only 20 points per game. And, you know, a couple of those you're counting as outliers, like against a really good Vikings offense. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I think, exceeded expectations going into as late into the season as we I mean, are are. Can we
0: talk about Joe Barry as being the biggest surprise Joe yeah. fit into this category? Yeah. Because I think that, if anything, like that's that's it. Like given all the tools, all the pieces Patton had, and he's put together a top 10 unit that – is being talked about as one of the best defenses in the league without two of their star players it's incredible what he's done especially with people were concerned and uh, rightfully so with his track record and it just goes to show when you're actually given playmakers maybe you can do stuff with them
1: And I think, you know, it should have been telling to all of us when it happened, but when Preston Smith was asked about it, because he was with him on the really bad Washington team, he said, I think pound for pound, yes, including the Rams defense, this is the most talented roster that Joe Barry has gotten to be around. So, you know... I don't want to make this like a bash on Mike Patton thing, but it does kind of show you that if you swap a couple pieces, you know, the players I think really have bought into it too. Kenny Clark was talking about how it's a player led team and they would do anything for Joe Barry. And, you know, I think we're kind of getting that vibe from the entire team and the closeness that's coming from this 2021 roster.
0: It's a combination too, for me on bringing a new defensive coordinator that, is able to use the pieces, as we said, who brings the energy that I think resonates with the players and Matt and Goot keeping all of the position coaches because the position coaches obviously as two people who follow this team very closely know how much input and influence the position coaches do have, at least on defense, um, where there's Jerry Gray, right. Becoming passing defense coordinator, Mike Smith, just, being Mike Smith or Jerry Montgomery. I, I think it's the coaching staff feels like a team effort. And while Joe Barry is of course the one calling the shots, I mean you saw it when he was out with COVID and that defense still played out of their minds. Right. It's it's a I think it it it's a trickle-down effect, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'm I'm curious, you know, your thoughts about the special teams unit, because I think that there are some pros to this 2021 squad and then of course there's obviously some significant negatives like the field goal unit but I think Corey Behorquez is another one of those like as far as maybe what we had expected for a Packers punter can be in the pleasantly surprised category because we've never seen at least recently a Packer special teams unit that can flip the field the way yeah. that he has but yeah. then you've got you know the other side of the coin where now their their field goal unit is not operating after Mason Crosby had hit like 15 of 16 or whatever it was last season or no, he was perfect on field goals and then he missed an extra point or something. But
0: yeah, I think Mason is the biggest disappointment or at least like the biggest surprise in a bad way, just because he's been so money and so reliable for so long. And the one thing that you have not really ever had to worry about is, Oh, when Mason goes out there, it's automatic and it just hasn't been that way this season. And it, it's jarring to see people calling for a replacement kicker when for over a decade, the Packers have had one of the best kickers, most reliable kickers in the league. So it is actually something I think that should be watched. I don't think there's going to be any moves the rest of the season. Um, and I still think when it, when it comes down to a game winner, I still trust Mason Crosby going out there, but in the off season, right? Like this this could be something to watch and the Packers have protected JJ Molson on the practice squad every week just in case. so
1: yeah, but I was gonna ask you that is you know we saw some improvement during the Rams game three of four um, attempts for field goals. you know what was your comfort level like did, did that make you feel better going into the rest of the season or do you need more? You need to see more before you can feel like fully confident?
0: Yeah, I think I love a more a higher level of consistency. Like, that was a good start, and that's your expectation from Mason Crosby. Obviously, the 42-yarder, you kind of expect him to make that also, but I'll take it. It just he needs to continue it because the game's become more and more important. And when it comes down to, you know, a field goal to win it in the playoffs, you
1: can't be missing those. Yeah, and if you want to talk about you know Lambeau being the tough one of the tougher places to play in the playoffs, you know you're talking about a kicker who's done it a million times, is yeah. used to the cold, should be able to kick in the wind and the inclement weather. So something the Packers need to get back to. Otherwise, you know you're hoping that they go play in a dome in the playoffs where it's <laughs> temperature controlled for your kicker. Yeah. Any the other? rest of the season, what are
0: you, the Packers do have Bears, Browns. Ravens, Lions, Vikings. Did I yep. missing anyone? No, nope. How how do we feel about the rest of the season?
1: I feel comfortable with the thought that they at least go four and one, but mm-hmm. I think a five and zero stretch is absolutely possible given the way that they've been playing the last couple of weeks.
0: I think that the Packers can absolutely go five and zero. I think that should be the expectation: one and zero, five weeks straight. <laughs> um, I think that the Browns and Ravens are floundering a little bit right now and just like most afc teams are very streaky and yes you could get them on a good day and they can put up 40 but i just don't see a team being able to do that against the packers right now and when it comes to the division they already lost one to the vikings i don't see it happening again especially at home and the Bears and Lions are bad football teams that they should not lose to. So it's very possible that they win out the stretch. And I think they might need to, depending on how the Cardinals look.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, even if they do end up four and one, you're probably looking at a second or third seed at this point, just given, you know, the Bucks have a pretty easy last five games. The Cardinals, I think they have a couple of division games in there that, you know, they could beat up on. The Rams, I think they play at least one more time. So there's a lot of interdivision kind of stuff going on with the NFC West. But, yeah, the Bucs, you know, we've got the Cowboys playing tonight who are another contender, maybe not for the number one seed. But, you know, you don't want to drop any games at this point, especially holding two really important tiebreakers with the Cardinals and the Rams. You know, the Packers have put themselves in a really good spot to host the number one seed. Mm-hmm. So now they just have to finish. Yeah, exactly. They just have to finish it out.
0: Um all right, let's do some game picks. Obviously, no Packers this week, but plenty of other fun games to look forward to. Um, as usual, we're recording on Thursday, which means we have yet to see the Cowboys-Saints game. Um, the Saints are missing like every single starter, so <laughs> I'm going to take the Cowboys tonight. I'm in agreement with you there. Okay, cool. Um, it's just hard to see the Saints be able to do anything with this Cowboys team, even though they're home I do think it's a really interesting case study for just like how quickly a franchise can fall off when their franchise quarterback leaves a team. Why you uh, don't pick a quarterback when you need one.
1: And why you don't pay a tight end millions and millions and millions of dollars to be your second string quarterback.
0: That as well. Yeah, that <laughs> as well. Um, early slate, we've got Colts-Texans. Um, obviously a divisional game for them. I'm going to pick the Colts.
1: Yeah, I think the Colts know that the AFC is wide open right now and the Titans don't look that good either. So, you know, they could maybe maybe steal the division, maybe. They could, yeah.
0: I think they could, especially riding Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Vikings-Lions.
1: I'm excited for Jamal Williams to get his lead back opportunities, but I think it's the Vikings here. Yeah, I agree with you. Um,
0: Although it would be really awesome to watch the Lions get their first win finally. Agreed. All right. Giants, Dolphins.
1: Not going to have this one on unless it happens to be on red zone. But yeah. I, I think I'm going to say Dolphins because we don't know if Daniel Jones is playing, which maybe that's better for the Giants, honestly. Maybe it's better if Mike Lennon is playing. But I think the Giants are just not doing well enough yeah. to either the Dolphins.
0: I think the Dolphins probably need this win and it's at home. So I will go Dolphins as well. Buccaneers, Falcons, another divisional game. The, these are always really fun. Um, it's in Atlanta, uh, but I have a hard time feeling like the Falcons can overcome the Bucks. although I feel like it's going to be a closer game than people think that it will be.
1: Yeah, I think the Bucks just know what's in front of them right now and that the number one seed is up for grabs, and especially with Tom Brady, I don't see them letting up at all, especially against a Falcons team that's like, meh, good weeks and bad weeks.
0: Yeah. Well, this is a fun one high flying Eagles jets.
1: (laughs) I was waiting. I was like, okay, this is not going to be a a truly a high flying game. I I guess I'm going to take the Eagles, but it's, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to watch it either. Um, this is why I have red zone because
0: think about the games that I get in New York, giants, (laughs) dolphins, Eagles, jets, barf. Um, I will take the Eagles as well in this one.
1: Okay. Lockstep so far.
0: All right. Uh, Still the early slate, we've got two more games. I think these are the most interesting of the day. Cardinals Bears.
1: It sounds like really sacrilegious to root for the Bears and I don't think that they pull this off, but we need them to so do something Chicago. It's I mean, I'm taking the Cardinals though.
0: So. Uh yeah, I can't. The Bears have <laughs> barely been able to put up points this season. The Cardinals defense is still very good, so they're I think they're Gonna walk out of there with a win. Although for the Packers, it would be great if the Bears won.
1: Chargers, Bengals. It's gonna be a really fun game. Joey Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert. I like it a lot. I think I'm gonna take the Bengals because I think the the Chargers have just not maybe looked like world beaters, and the Bengals need this one to stay in the AFC North. But it's gonna be a fun game. I'm excited for this one. Really fun game. This is like the future right here. Right. Yeah. Two
0: young quarterbacks um, to young head coaches. Yeah. I think I'm going to take the Bengals as well. I think that they've, they've had a couple of snoozers, but for the most part, they've been a little bit more consistent than the chargers. And um, I think their defense is playing better. So, wow. Never thought I'd say that. About Bengals. <laughs> um, all right. Middle of the day, we've got Jaguars, Rams. I think it's safe to say the Rams will take that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Washington Raiders. They're in Las Vegas.
1: I think this is like kind of a weirdly interesting game. Kind of fun. Um, I don't know why. I think I'm going to take Washington. Okay. I'm going to take the Raiders. I thought so. Mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Ravens, Steelers. It's the Ravens, but man, i that whole division is wild right now. It's so up for grabs, maybe except for the Steelers, who are imploding.
0: Yeah, I i mean, the Ravens look bad against the Browns. Like Lamar threw, what, four, four interceptions?
1: That's
0: just not going to happen again. So, yeah, I think the Ravens are overall the better team, but this might be a, a crazy one.
1: Yeah, it could get weird. I don't think it could get weirder than the Browns-Ravens last week, but this could also get pretty weird. This division is wild. Yeah.
0: This division is so entertaining. Um, The Steelers did also get blown out by the Bengals last week, which is probably pretty embarrassing for them. So I imagine they'll come back with a little more energy and not have that happen again, but I think I'll still take the Ravens. All right, last one, Niners-Seahawks.
1: I mean – it's weird to root for the Seahawks, but I think the 49ers are getting kind of scary. And if they get in as a wild card, which they likely will, they could light some teams up. So I'm picking the 49ers, but if the Seahawks wanted to you know, knock them down a peg, I would be okay with that.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I think the 49ers are clearly the better team again, but you never know what can happen in a divisional game on the road. So it's possible but the Seahawks are. I think we are witnessing the end of an era in Seattle right now. Yeah. Late game. My sister was going to be at Arrowhead for this game. I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, but the Broncos are traveling to Kansas City. And uh, this is a big one.
1: It is a big one. I think it has to be the Chiefs. I think, you know, in the beginning of the season, we were like, what's happening with the Chiefs? And now we're starting to see that it's still the Chiefs offense that, you know, we're getting used to and they're getting healthier.
0: I agree. I think the Chiefs are really hard to beat at home um, with Patrick Mahomes so I, I can't pick against them until they prove me otherwise um, and the Broncos while they've played well recently they're just not better than the Chiefs they're just not alright Monday night definitely the best game of the entire week uh, Pats travel to Buffalo I think this is for the division also
1: yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm i taking the Patriots. I just haven't seen enough from Buffalo to me to feel confident that they are, you know, the world beaters that maybe we thought they were going to be to take that division going into the season. I think if we're talking about surprises, maybe the Patriots might be the biggest surprise as far as like the NFL um, from a team perspective. And they look pretty damn good. This must be a nightmare for Bills fans. Yeah. Pop, they are finally
0: done. It's their time. They have Josh Allen, no more Tom Brady. And then in comes after one season, Mac Jones and this like incredible Patriots defense and right back like the last 20 years, um, they are on top of the division. That's, <laughs> that's tough. That's going to be what happens after one season with Jordan love and the Vikings take one. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that was a fan fandom coming out there. Um, yeah, I think the Pats take it. I mean, they're on a six-game win streak right now. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know if I see the Bills pulling one out and ending that, although it's possible because the Bills have quite a good defense and um, they are they are going to be at home. But, um, yeah, the Pats just look really scary right now.
1: I agree, which, you know, good for Rachel, but – Yeah, not as exciting for uh, fans of other teams in the AFC. Well,
0: this was a fun episode. Um, Nice to take a kind of more holistic look at the team and see how we feel. I mean, I think, like I said in our recap show, I think the Packers are one of the most consistent teams right now. They're they're performing at a steadily high level, like slight fluctuations, of course, and the loss against the Vikings. But um, for the most part... I think fans should feel really confident where the team's headed.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing an upward trajectory, which, you know, the Packers are finding ways to win differently all season, and they talked about the next man up mentality, but it's kind of nice going, you know, beyond the bye, thinking about instead of needing a next man up constantly, that they might actually be getting players back and getting healthier and now actually being able to go on a stretch run. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's see. We'll we'll look out for some news. Um, on some of those injuries. I think we are not going to be back with a recap show on Monday, but we are going to have our live show, which he said TV on Tuesday instead. Um, we did not plan that, but it is perfect timing, I <laughs> would say. Um, so you know, stay tuned for that. Of course, back next week with our preview show of Bears Game. Always fun. Hoping to have a guest, a couple of guests on the rest of the the season, but we will let you know as as those roll out. Thank you all for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein at Maggie J. Loney at PAX, PWSS Podcast on Twitter, Packs which She Said on Twitch and Instagram. And yeah, nine and three by week. We got this. Go, Pekka. Go.
1: <laughs>